Hi, and welcome to another interview for the Creative Creator Radio Show on CKLU 96.7 FM, a show with a mission to showcase and share the work, wisdom, knowledge, and attitudes of the people who are shaping our creative world. With their work, they challenge and expand our perceptions, making our everyday lives not only possible, but beautiful and interesting. All this and more can be heard every Friday from 4 to 5 p.m. on CKLU 96.7 FM or by checking out the online archive at www.radiocrater.wordpress.com where all original show content is available for streaming and download. Here with me by phone from Ottawa, Ontario is industrial designer Tim Hatz. Having received his Bachelor's of Industrial Design in 2010 with a minor in psychology at Carleton University School of Industrial Design, Tim is now hard at work to complete a master's degree in interdisciplinary design research, also at Carleton. Tim brings with his work a strong sense of design and purpose, which has guided him through his years of training and through the projects he has taken on as a designer. He'll be providing us with his insights on his own personal philosophy about industrial design, as well as his experiences with the education he continues to pursue at Carleton. Hi, Tim. It's great to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me. So, to start off with something general, how would you define the role of industrial design in society today? Well, I think uh, industrial design plays a very important role in society. We design things that we, we come into contact with every day, anything from the furniture in our house, the shoes we wear, the cars we drive, the tools we use, even the cell phones that we pretty much do everything on these days, it seems. And, I mean, the list goes on. Um, just think of any, of the, any physical things that you come in contact with at any moment of the day. We're pretty much responsible for de- designing these things to enhance human life. But the one thing to keep in mind is that we're not designing them all on our own. We're working with engineers. We're working with other disciplines to make uh, that product come to fruition. So what skills or interests did you have prior to attending university that made you think industrial design might be the right choice for you? Well, for me, I've always had a natural ability to draw. And as a kid, I was always drawing and producing art. I had a passion for making things, whether it was 2D drawing or creating something in three-dimensional space. Uh, In high school, I took a technology class, or I took multiple technology classes, and I had a strong interest in how things work. Um, One of the classes in particular was a design and drafting course, which introduced me to um, CAD, uh, which is computer-aided design software, and it introduced me to basic design principles. Um, it allowed me to explore my creative side by providing the opportunity to create things with my own ideas that were not just art pieces but had uh, technical constraints and real-world applications. So this was really the spark to my interest in design and ultimately in education and industrial design specifically. In your online biography, you say that you want to do something that has importance to people in society. Creating meaningless product is not important. How would you define meaningless product? Well, basically, I I say that meaningless products are those that have no real benefit or have no benefit to real issues. Um, There are way too many examples of products that exist on the market that have no actual purpose in our world, I find. Uh, They do not provide any positive benefit. So, for example, the one thing that comes to mind is this product that I've I've been introduced to before, which is a self-twirling spaghetti fork, even a self-twirling ice cream cone. So, to me, this is such a silly and ridiculous thing, but um, the other thing about that is that it supports the fact of being lazy 
and the very issues that drive obesity and various other health diseases. So, like, these things to me are meaningless products, and they have no real benefit. So that's how I would define it. Uh, so when you, design, when you design, is marketability usually your first or last concern? So if you're coming up with an idea, are you worried that you won't be able to bring it to people? Or is that something you think about from the very start or much later? Yeah, well, I guess it, it depends how you think of marketability. Um, design always results from a need, especially if it's a new product, and there has to be a market for that product. So if you're thinking of marketability in that sense, it's extremely important. Um, from a business perspective, it's important to, to establish a market for a new product because um, in order to invest in design, there has to be a reason and there has to be some sort of uh, monetary support in that sense. Um, but in terms of marketing a product, in terms of advertising, uh, that is something that may come later in the process. So is finding the right context the most important thing in making a design successful? Yes, uh, context is extremely important. Um, it's, it's really essential to understand where the product will be used and how the environment facilitates the activity and the performance of the product and of the user who is using the product. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. and If you just think of a chair that's in your living room versus a chair that's on a, on a city bus, um, you can tell the difference between them, both physically and the purpose of those chairs. In the living room, you're essentially there to relax, whereas on the bus, you're actually commuting. So you can see the difference there, and that's really relating to the context. A great design, is it one that can be immediately instinctively understood by its user, or is it one that provides a new or enhanced experience at the expense of some adjustment by its user, which may actually contribute to the quality and overall impact that experience will have for the user? If I rephrase that question a little bit, does great design conform to people, or should people try to learn to conform to great design? This is a, it's an interesting question. Um, there's really, from what I know, there's really two schools of thought, and which is, one, uh, great design conform to people, and two, conform, um, the people conform to great design. Um, I personally sit in the middle. I believe that ultimately we are designing for people and their needs, um, and we are tending to their needs. So really we're conforming our design to people's needs. So this comes down to like usability and things like that. Uh, but on the other hand, great design can also lead users and shape the user experience in a positive way. Um, I think a lot of this has to do with marketing as well and the ability to sell great design and get people on board. Um, so once people are on board, they realize the, how good the design is and then the word gets spread. It's like a viral effect. And I think Apple is a good example to, to look at here and how they've sort of shaped, um, you know, the mobile device. Um, so really they've done a good job on the design end, but also on the marketing end in promoting that design and getting it out there. And now people are just aware of Apple and, and they're just so, such a powerful company at this point. So uh, thinking of Apple, they're kind of an example of a company, like you said, that does marketability well, but also makes possible for a great design to come into a lot of use. But it seems like that isn't always the case where branding kind of supersedes what a design actually might be. So how much of design would you say is in the perceptions of its users with things like branding and price? 
versus the actual physical qualities of the product, like usability? Well, it's it's all about user perception and the experience, but that doesn't necessarily exclude the physical qualities of the product. Um, it's it's the physical qualities um, really inform the perception or uh, enhance the perception of the user. Um, good design has to encompass not just the artifact itself, but also the immaterial qualities that surround the product and its offerings. Um, design. I guess the thing here is that design needs to be addressed in a holistic manner. You can't just look at the physical part of it. You have to look at the whole system around the product or whatever it is that you're designing. Um, And I'm saying that this is really the very nature of my graduate studies, which is all about interdisciplinary design. So it's about the collaboration of multiple disciplines and the integration of the knowledge and expertise of those disciplines together so that we can design successfully. Um, but I think it does depend on the scope and the complexity of what is being designed. If it's something very simple, you're not gonna you're not gonna need to uh, have this interdisciplinary uh, design collaboration to come up with something very simple. Do you feel that the aesthetic beauty or expressiveness of a design is always essential to the interaction of an object with its user, or is it a quality that can be supplemented after design has been, for the most part, realized? I would say uh, absolutely it's um, it's important to um, the interaction of design object. Um, aesthetic beauty is, is something that captures almost everyone um, on all fronts, not just design. But uh, one thing I wanted to mention is the there's actually studies done at Carleton University in the Human Oriented Technologies Lab uh, that prove that when people view a website, they will automatically and unconsciously decide whether they like that page or not based on its visual appearance before their brain can even will even process any of that any of the information on that page so basically this research is arguing and proving that aesthetics are just so instinctive to human perception and emotion and we don't even think about it we just it just affects us right away so that i mean that's sort of some of the research that's showing that aesthetic beauty is actually really important. So, as we in our developed society have more and more technological benefits to take for granted in our lives, is it possible that, with all this convenience, we are designing to tackle smaller and smaller problems, like you mentioned the automated spaghetti spinner, which actually might pose a problem in itself. Smaller, smaller problems that actually may play a minor role in the everyday lives of people, leading to solutions that are, by their own definition, unable to offer anything more than a minor improvement. Um, I think what's happening with the advancements of technology is that things are becoming a lot more complex, and the problems are not necessarily becoming bigger or smaller, but we're just realizing new problems. So this, you know, the introduction of new technologies is actually bringing on new problems or the awareness of new problems. Um, I have a hard time with technological advancements and whether we are improving human life or actually detrimenting it. Um, as you say, in the developed society that we are so familiar with, we take the technological benefits for granted. And we don't actually see what kind of effects it has on the rest of the world. And I can bet that any sustainability activist or someone who's uh, dealing with sustainability and is really into that, uh, they would have a, a very strong opinion about the detriments that technology is causing to our world and how 
there really is no benefit to the, these technological advancements. However, I, I do think that the right technologies can enhance human life, and we can make um, we can make big steps in doing so. Do you think that, to be successful, the designer has to look to nature not only for the aesthetic inspiration it can provide, but also for solving the very real functional and structural problems faced within any concept or idea that will lead to an end product, offering some valid solutions? Um, there's actually quite a few of my colleagues uh, studying the, for their master's degrees at Carleton, and they're looking at biomimicry, which is basically examining nature to inspire design for, for solving real human problems. Um, so what does nature do best and how can it be applied to solve our issues? Um, I think this is a great way of thinking, but I don't think that it's necessary to follow such an approach to reach success in design. Um, in terms of structure and functional components, I think that it's more suitable for that, but uh, that is really not the only thing that d design revolves around. And to me, it's more of an engineering mindset um, to think that way. Uh, so I would say that it's, it's definitely not a necessity to, to look to nature, but it is a good uh, method. In your experience, have you noticed there to be any issue in design today? with an over-reliance on accomplishments and standards previously achieved within the specific field of design, leading to an unwillingness to be influenced by entirely different fields and disciplines, perhaps at the expense of future innovation? Well, I think for anything, it's always good to take reference from what has been done well in the past within a specific field, but this shouldn't really limit the designer from exploring other areas and disciplines. I think as designers, we're trained to rely on the, the expertise of other fields, and I think this is really important, um, at least through my education with Carlton. Um, I believe that we're, we're trained to, to really rely on the, on the other disciplines. And again, uh, this is going back to the very nature of my graduate studies, again, which is all about interdisciplinarity and the need for design to encompass the collaboration among disciplines. So when taking on a project, how important have you found it to be that your concerns, values, and beliefs align with those of your client beforehand? Um, I think it's important to have a passion for what you are working on, but this is coming from a student perspective. Um, perhaps in the, in the real world, in the working world, you may not have much of a choice. I mean, you, you have to pay your bills sort of thing. Um, the misconception a lot of people have who come into the first year of design school is that they'll they'll be designing uh, things that they want to design and what pleases them. Um, and this is not design, this is really art. I mean, art is something, it's self-expression and it's, it's do, doing something for yourself. But this is design and there's, um, and it relies on user research and understanding the needs of the user group. Um, so at one level, your values and beliefs cannot drive your design but if they do not align with the, the given project, you may not be motivated and excited to, enough to do good work and to do good design work. So it's, it's an interesting question. So starting off, was that a conflict for you where you were kind of at odds between what you creatively wanted to do and what you knew you had to do to realize a project? Yeah, I think like getting into the getting into industrial design and in my first year, I didn't know a whole lot about about what industrial design was, and um, I thought, wow, this is great, like, you know, I can use my creative abilities and, and create these products and do all this, but you quickly realize that 
you know, it's not about what you like or even what the professor likes. It's about what the the user population who you're trying to tend to, what they like and what they need. So it was something that I learned quickly when I started studying. From what I myself have found, it seems that throughout the teaching of industrial design, a common emphasis is placed on the idea that a designer's work can have a meaningful impact in the everyday quality of life of, of the people who use the design. Why can't, say, engineering alone and other fields accomplish these things? Or in other words, why is the role of an industrial designer essential and not just additional to a product? Or have you found it to be in some cases? Um, well, first off, I don't think any product can be successful without the contribution of engineering, marketing, and any of the other professionals that would be involved in the development process. Um, but what is different, though, is that we tend to take a user-centered approach or a human-oriented approach to design. So we focus on the user aspects of any product, which translates into the user experience. Um, we are trained to do this, whereas other disciplines like engineering and computer program, they spend the majority of their educational learning um, doing learning how to do calculations or writing code, for example. So you don't think that there could ever be, like, just me thinking here, like, an engineering program that would encompass more understanding of human interaction? Or is it really uh, a task that should be kept specific to the industrial designer as a person? I think that um, engineering, for example, I mean, I don't, I'm not an engineer, so I don't really know. I'm thinking that, you know, they have a lot of responsibility in terms of, in terms of uh, doing particular calculations and understanding the physics of how, uh, what's going to happen when there's a force applied to this area. Um, for example, if you're designing a, a casing for some sort of product that has some sort of forces involved, you need to understand how much thickness of material and how much uh, ribbing inside the casing you need to support the, the, the structural integrity of that product. And these are all things that are done through, like, engineering principles and calculations. And so in terms of education, I think they need to learn that stuff, and that takes up a lot of their, their um, educational time. Um, so as the industrial designers, we come in with the responsibility of, of looking at the, the user side of things, and then we're supposed to collaborate with the engineers in developing the product from both the user's perspective and the functionality perspective. Would you say that the best design in terms of overall human interaction is the one which functions at the highest level for a specific user, or is it the one that can be made accessible to the most users, though not necessarily the best for each individual user? Well, this depends what it is and what the target market is. If you're designing for a specific user population, like elite athletes, let's say, um, your design is going to be highly tailored for the specific needs of that group. But if you're designing something more for a general population, for example, students in a mandatory gym class in high school or something like that, uh, the design needs to be accessible for all those people. Um, if I can sort of put it into a, a very simple uh, example, if we look at doctors versus everyone else, um, and let's say we're developing a healthcare information system um, to maybe it's a website or something like that where people can interact with their health information. The person, the, the regular 
person is going to be looking at that information through a different lens than the doctor. The doctor might be more interested in very high-level, detailed information, whereas the everyday user would only need to know very uh, simple, general information. And so the design of the system would have to consider if it's for the doctors, then you, you would want to provide that deep and uh, detailed information. But if it's for everyday um, uh, clients or patients, then the design of whatever it is, the information system, will have to accommodate and be accessible for everyone. How much intermixing would you say there might be between industrial design and other fields like architecture, engineering, or any others you might find particularly relevant? As a, an industrial designer, I believe that our discipline is sort of the in-between for most disciplines. Um, and we sort of talked about that a little bit earlier, sort of. Um, we study a variety of aspects in things like physics, math, economics, marketing, and psychology. And this is all done in first year. We're, we're put in these courses. Um, so we're learning about this to the point that we have some understanding of the different disciplines and and it can allow us to communicate with them at a basic level or at least listen to them um, in terms of uh, collaboration in product development. Um, coming from where I am studying interdisciplinary design, I think that uh, there's a lot that's not necessary, um, it's not necessarily an intermixing of fields, but rather a collaboration which each discipline needs to respect the expertise and knowledge of the others in order to work together efficiently. So each has something different to bring to the table, and this needs to be shared among them. So I think that would be my answer for that question. In terms of design fitting into broader societal issues, like we kind of talked about, such as an equal access for people with disabilities, I think of designing to make certain sports, for example, more accessible to people living with disabilities. If we see more of these people being active, and participating in communi communal activities like sports with the help of specially designed tools and products, we, as the general public, can better understand the specific needs of these people, of these people and therefore have knowledge on how we can further accommodate for them. I would imagine this goes beyond just sports and into a whole range of other important activities. People without these special needs have, as of yet, taken for granted the ease with which they can join in participating. Which leads me to my question. Even though the current state of design might reflect social attitudes held within the public, including some of which that may contribute to certain societal malfunctions, do you feel design on its own can play a strong enough role in changing that attitude and lack of understanding? I'm going to say definitely. Um, and if, if I can tie it back into the, the sport context, as you were mentioning, um, seeing as I myself have spent an eight-month period working on my final fourth-year undergraduate project, designing an adjustable rugby wheelchair for quadriplegics and other individuals with similar disabilities. Just by allowing these individuals to play in a sport or in any activity proves to the public of able-bodied people that they are actually not disabled, but rather they're just constrained. So design has provided these individuals the sense of ability and it shows the public audience that they can actually do things um, if given the right tools to do so. So I think it, it can change the, the public opinion and the public view um, in this particular situation that these individuals are not actually disabled. They have abilities. They just need to have the right tools to be able to 
express or to um, take on those abilities and be able to use them. So you might say that a lot of problems in our society for people with disabilities is just that possibly that we may not be accommodating them yet with the right tools for them to go about that kind of usual life. Uh, I think it's just we we tend to look at them as we tend to look at people with disabilities differently than we look at everyone else. It, there's a stigma attached to uh, people with disabilities, and I, ca- I continue to say the word disabilities because that's that's what uh, people know them as. But it's there's a stigma attached to them, like oh, they're they're sort of below us, or they're they have there's a there's a sort of sympathetic feeling towards um, how they can live their life. But I think what needs to be more what is more important is sort of the empathetic side of things. So just understanding that they have a different sort of lifestyle, but it, they still have the abilities to do everything that everyone else can do. Just they need to have, they have design here to sort of help them uh, do have those abilities and then also help the public to realize that these individuals have the abilities. Are there ethical considerations specific to the industrial designer? In terms of the effect using a certain material for a product and what the environmental implications of that might be, or the potential effect on conditions of workers involved in the manufacture of the product, and finally the result on the end consumer in areas like product safety, functionality, etc.? I think this is a pretty tough question, and I don't think I can answer it. However, I will say that uh, industrial designers are unlike engineers and architects. We, we don't have a certification process to become a licensed professional in order to conduct design practices. Like architecture, for example, they, um, they would get their bachelor's degrees, but they would have to go and actually go through a certification process in order to be able to practice architectural design. Um, and I think it's specific to countries, so Canada has particular regulations and you know, U.S. probably has other regulations, and maybe other countries don't. But uh, in terms of industrial design, we don't have that certification thing. And I believe that my own personal belief is that we definitely have um, ethical considerations, and the designer needs to understand the effects that his his or her design decisions may have from all angles. But uh, the project will never reach a stage of production or deployment until it has gone through an engineering process which would essentially weed out any of the unethical or harmful components. So in that sense, um, I think that there is definitely ethical considerations involved, but there's no actual um, legal um, certification sort of thing in place for industrial designers, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. So, does the type of seemingly universal design that makes up our everyday lives, like the chair, the table, kitchen utensils, and the numerous other things that are now so ubiquitous, it's hard to even remember that at some point they were designed? What do you feel is the merit to present-day designers still working to alter and improve on these time-tested designs? Um, well, just I think it is important to have some sort of grasp as to where and why these these products or these things have been around for so long. Like, what makes them last the test of time? But here I, I sort of ask the question, or 
lies the the question of difference between design and in, uh, invention, design and invention. So the majority of design is really incremental improvements from a previous thing or previous object and not a completely new and radical creation, which is more of the invention. Um, so I think for these types of obje objects, it's really driven by trends and the need for change that we rely on in the developed countries. There's a There seems to be a constant shift in styles and we tend to follow these trends with new products. Um, and so this, this sort of design uh, aspect in the developed world is um, it's not the invention process so we're not changing the actual real functionality of a product but rather just following the trends and coming up with new ways of uh, interesting ways to have these products and I guess it comes down to basically consumption and and having a business around like you need to stimulate business so you have to tend to the market. In many ways, the job of an industrial designer would seem almost entirely dependent on a whole range of technologies and processes, all relatively new, at least in their current form and scale. Do you think industrial designers ever truly existed before these recent changes took hold, or could they only come to be with the current way of things in modern society, industry, and technology? Um, industrial design resulted from basically the dawn of the Industrial Revolution and the ability to produce products in, in quantities on a mass scale. Um, although we do see the roots that it can be traced back further into the age of craft, and um, I kind of want to put this in context and saying, well, not really context, but uh, as part of my education um, at Carleton in the curriculum, we are required to take a course called Contextual Nature of Product Design where we, we look all the way back to essentially the caveman ages when our early ancestors were crafting objects and tools to assist with daily activities like hunting and gathering. So we're looking way back to the, the early uh, humans and how they've you know, crafted their, their tools and their objects. And this is, this is where design started, really. But the actual discipline of industrial design was a result of the Industrial Revolution. So it's very fairly new, um, and in its very nature, uh, the industrial designers relied on to think of how products are manufactured, and we're constrained by production technologies that exist. So, um, I think that would answer your question. So, how much would you say that design in the Western world and in other developed areas can learn from principles of de design shown outside our own culture and way of life, like you mentioned? even like the caveman example or prehistoric? Uh, again, this is a tough question. Um, I think it might be easy for us as designers in the Western world and developed countries to rely extensively on advanced technologies and trying to push the threshold of innovation. Um, but how, like sometimes good design results from simplicity and purity which is something that may be influenced by places that don't have the resources like we do and who make amazing things with raw natural materials and scraps. So I think, I mean, that can influence design and, and it's not, the, the resources that we have do not necessarily dictate what design is. So with all the types of globalization going on in the world right now, 
Do you feel design could ever become highly uniform amongst all cultures? And do you think that that ever happening could pose any serious risk to cultural identities? So you mentioned like they're using raw natural elements, but if we came in and um, imposed our highly technological um, way of doing things, do you think that could have a negative effect or how, how would that affect? Well, I don't think globalization will shape design to a point at which it becomes uniform. And I think, I think it's really important that design respects culture. If I can sort of say, like, a designer from North America cannot step into, um, let's say, a country like South Africa and try to design things for that culture and that um, environment and, and those people. Uh, we can do that. However, we need to understand the culture, which requires a lot of ethnographic research and understanding the culture and, and working with the people to actually come up with these these products or whatever it may be. Um, but it's really important that that design or designers respect culture. So for me, I, I, I mean, there's always going to be culture, and culture informs context. So if we go back to one of the earlier questions where we were talking about context and its importance, so design needs to consider the context. So really, culture informs context, and context informs design. But I think the key point is is definitely that design needs to respect culture, and that and that's the point. So now I'm just going to ask you a bit about your own personal experience and attending Carlton. So previous to attending university, had you much experience with industrial design? Had you met any professional designers beforehand? So I think I sort of mentioned it before. Actually, like to be honest, I didn't really have, I didn't really know what what industrial design was before getting into getting into it. Um, in fact, not even the teachers in my high school had any real idea as to what it was. I, I mean, I came from a small town. Maybe that's why we we weren't aware of sort of what's been going on. Like, I mean, Ottawa. I know that a lot of my colleagues who came from Ottawa. They already knew about industrial design because we have industrial design firms in Ottawa, and and it's there's technology high schools, and so they knew, but I didn't really know. Um, I read what I could about it online and and in programs and stuff, but I, I really didn't start learning all about it until I arrived for that first day of class. So since you started going to Carlton, had had you quickly noticed any great change in the level of discipline you apply to your work, or how did that turn out? <laughs> Um, yes, I mean, I think I've just changed altogether, of course. But uh, one thing that anyone will find out when coming into an industrial design education is that you're just bombarded with work. You're, you're loaded with work. And for me, I really learned how to focus on certain things at certain times. So if I can give an example, um, if I was working on a project where I was had to come up with ideas for a new product of some sort um, maybe I'm having troubles thinking of something at that time so I'm having what what can be called a conceptual block so I just can't think of any any good ideas so in this case I would actually refocus my energy on something else productive and come back to the ideas later a lot of times in design we need to we need to th- sit on the idea for a while 
we call it incubation, so letting the, the idea sort of generate in mind and, and incubate as we do something else or maybe go for a walk or something. But I think this is, was one of the things that sort of in terms of discipline I was able to take away, which is just not being unproductive and trying to push for something. But if I can't do that, I'm going to go do something else and continue that productivity and come back later. Having attended Carleton University, can you give us a sense of what aspects their industrial design program handles best, in your opinion? And if you found there to be other aspects that you feel could have been handled better within the program, looking back with the experience you now have? Uh, one thing that Carleton does really well is produce, is produce great design thinkers. Um, we're trained to do research and we're trained to analyze the problems and situations and to develop solutions that really reflect the underlying issues. Uh, we're trained to go through the process very well from start to finish and how to think and produce along the way. Um, but because there's a lot of focus on that, one area that is lacking is the attention towards more skills-based learning. So um, I'm aware of other schools that tend to focus on the skills like sketching, computer rendering, or CAD, uh, computer-aided design, but they're, they're focusing on that at the cost of less focus on things that Carleton really does well. And I think Carleton's recognized well because of the fact that we, we do deal with a lot of the thinking aspects of it. Why do you believe it important for yourself as an industrial designer to have a good grasp on the workings of human psychology, having taken a minor in psychology? Well, I mentioned earlier too, um, industrial design in my opinion anyways. Uh, there might be some people that would think other, but uh, industrial design takes a user-centric approach and, and we really focus on the user aspects of product design. So I feel like it's really important to understand how people think, how people behave, um, how different situations can, can change behavior and change the way people think. I think it's just really important to do that. And then when it comes down to testing, uh, if you're doing any testing with uh, prototypes, um, just, just being able to read what someone is doing in an observation allows you to extrapolate data from that and really get some insights about what is going on when they're using that prototype. So that was sort of what I was trying to go for with studying, uh, doing a minor in psychology. So I, I think personally that it's really important to understand psychology and how people think. Now, when you approach a project, how important is the process of sketching in the overall design? <laughs> sketching is very important, and there's some, it's just funny because I was uh, talking with one of the professors the other day, and he was just, he was just telling me how much people need to sketch more. Um, <laughs> he's very, very pushy on the sketching aspect, but it is important. Uh, like really the, the most important skill of a designer is to be able to quickly visualize an idea or a concept on paper. Um, like what good is an idea if you can't express it? And verbal expression and written expression is just, just not good enough. So the thing here is that the, the sketching does not have to be beautiful and amazing drawing that people will be so impressed looking at. It just it needs to communicate a point in a visual way, and it's very easy for these for new students of design to try and make the best looking sketches, but really that's not the point. So it's about effective communication in a way that people will understand. And do you think as you approach industrial design, do you have to have great communication skills from the start, 
or is that something that you'll spend a lot of time learning? So I think communication skills are important in, in all aspects of life, but um, going back to the sketching thing, it's, it's really industrial designers, well, designers altogether, we have a talent in being able to communicate visually or we should have a talent in communicating visually, and so that's really important. Um, like images and pictures, it's just a universal language. Everyone can relate to that, and that's the one thing that design has is the visual communication skills. So would you say sketching is your favorite stage in designing a product, or is there some other point you really like? <laughs> well, I still haven't figured this out yet. Um, sketching... In terms of uh, conceptual development, is is a lot of fun because it's it's so open. It's the the most open part of the the process. You just get to build ideas. Um, but I think I'm I'm leaning more towards the research side of things because too often I've gone into a, a conceptual development phase where I really didn't have a clear problem or a clear issue figured out. I didn't resolve um, the issues around my problem space, as I call it, or uh, the user group and understanding who the users are. So you can't really go into design without knowing uh, the information and having done the research. So uh, it's a tough one because sometimes I don't like to do the research, but it's such an important thing that I would almost put it as my favorite stage because I... I really want to learn about the situation and learn about what I'm designing, and to me, that's that's really important. So, <laughs> I guess that would kind of indicate that you're maturing as a designer in a way that you want to find the real problem and not just express yourself almost. Yeah, yeah, that's. I think that's right. <laughs> so, how would you respond to the idea that computers have taken over the field of design to permanently alter how we design, perhaps in a negative way? For example, the time from idea to a convincing three-dimensional rendering can be greatly shortened with the use of a computer, but could the shortcut cause a design to move forward without sufficient reflection by the designer? Um, well, I think computers, the computer has made some big steps in how we conduct design, but I don't necessarily think it is replacing certain tried-and-true processes like sketching, for example, or low-fidelity prototyping. Like sketching and low fidelity prototyping, um, and if low fidelity prototyping is basically like paper models or uh, carving foam, um, so very cheap materials, uh, foam core, cardboard, things like that. Um, these sort of tried and true processes are so essential for industrial designers, and I don't think any computer is gonna is gonna take away from that for a long time, anyways. Uh, but I think you were mentioning like um, the digitalization of, of sketching and and renderings and stuff like that. That I think that's making a huge step forward in design, but in a positive way. Outside of just your work, do you find it valuable to have an understanding of what goes into the conception and manufacture of a product, where others without training in your field might be blind to where the tools that allow for their everyday interactions to happen smoothly come from? Like you even mentioned in your hometown, how the title of an industrial designer was kind of a foreign thing there. Uh, I think having an understanding of the design and manufacture of various things that we come into contact with can really um, uh, influence sort of your your purchase decisions, your um, the way you interact with that product. Uh, it's hard to say as as a designer 
because I, I think in a designer way now when I look at all these products I'm I'm always analyzing like what's good what's bad um, but for anyone who may not be a designer um, I think that still like sort of having an understanding you know the show how it works or how it's made those shows are kind of neat because it gives you a sense of how things are, are produced and then you, you have a better appreciation for products or um, you can sort of have an opinion about whether a product is good or bad or um, unsustainable or any of those sort of things. So I think I think it is good, um, but it is hard to to sort of answer as a designer from a designer's perspective. So my final question here: uh, question here, can you think of any warning you could provide someone looking at but not yet sure on choosing industrial design as their career path? That might make them at first reconsider, but in the long run could help reinforce their own personal sense of whether or not industrial design is truly the career they want to pursue. I think um, <clears throat> industrial design in its traditional sense seems almost unsustainable, and to design physical material objects may not be the path of a designer in the near future. So if you think of it that way, it, it it's sort of something, I'm just, this is from personal thought, uh, it's something that you don't really want to get involved with. Why are we producing all this junk? Why why are we continually filling uh, these landfills with with plastic parts and you know dumping our our garbage onto underdeveloped countries? It's it seems not very ethical. And you, as a someone looking into industrial design, you might not want to get involved. But design is much more than this. And I think industrial design is changing to reflect the contemporary movement of, of design. Um, and for me, I've, I've very much taken a step forward in studying at the graduate level, moving out from the, the gra- undergraduate industrial design experience and going into design research and trying to move the design discipline forward into what is going to be a much better um, a much better place. So thinking industrial design from the traditional perspective, maybe not so exciting, but thinking about design in the contemporary expect- perspective and w- how industrial design is changing to reflect that is really exciting. Thanks for your time and insights, Tim. No problem.